For a scripture reading, we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. The sermon will focus on verses 5 through 9 of Deuteronomy 6. And it won't surprise you perhaps that this is a sermon I preached recently in the faith congregation on the occasion of infant baptism. We did not witness this morning infant baptism, yet this is an appropriate passage for us to consider in the calling of the church and of parents to bring up their children in the ways of God's covenant. We'll read the whole of Deuteronomy chapter 6, and then we'll read verses 5 through 9. This is the word of God. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I commanded thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that, ye may, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things, which thou fillest not, and wells digged, which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord. Which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. 
Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massa. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he hath commanded thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee, as the Lord hath spoken. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence, that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. Thus far we read the word of the Lord. We turn to verses 5 through 9. This is the charge of Moses to the people of Israel. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house, and on thy gates. I wonder if Moses, beloved people of God, understood the full impact of the position God gave him. He speaks in verse 1 of the duty he had. He had spoken the words of God to the people of Israel, Deuteronomy 5. We read that this morning for the reading of the law. And he's explaining what he has done. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you. And he's explaining, this is what God called me to do. Moses, you are to teach my people my words and my ways. And Moses would have obviously been thinking of the people that he had served as their leader for now some 40 plus years. But I wonder if he understood that this would be recorded in the scripture this way and that Moses would be used by God to teach God's words, God's ways to his people for thousands of years. But I wonder if we understand the import of this. I wonder how many of us might think I would love to have heard the last words of Moses. 
Before we know, he didn't go into the land of Canaan with the people of Israel. God took him right before they went in. And wouldn't it have been nice to be there when, before he died, he spoke his last words? And that's what we have here in the book of Deuteronomy, the last words of Moses, the man of God. And when we read this passage, we are listening to his last words. And his message to the people of Israel was this. I've taught you the words and the ways of God. Now you keep passing these things down to your children. On the occasion that I preached this in the faith congregation, the parents who presented their child for baptism were first-time parents. They had their firstborn son. And we can all understand, can't we, that the words of the text in verses 5 through 9 are appropriate for first-time parents. Now, this is the calling that, the God, that God gives you with regard to this child. And if God gives you more children with all of your children at the very beginning of your work as parents and all through the years in your work as parents, here's the calling God gives you. But this then is an appropriate passage for the more experienced parents and even for the grandparents, for you notice that Verse 2 does not speak of only keeping these things and, and passing them down to thy son, but to thy son's sons. So that this morning we take opportunity to be reminded by God what our main focus is and always must be with regard to the children that he has given us. It's all too easy to get caught up in other things and forget what is really important. There are parents who have concerns about the health of their children and may become focused on that. There are parents who have concerns about their children's education, their academics, and may become focused on that. There are parents who may be concerned about their children achieving great feats in athletics, hockey. And there are grandparents who want to enjoy their grandchildren and they focus on their grandchildren and their focus may be not in a bad way to encourage their grandchildren to be entitled or to continue in sin, but their focus may be in some way to spoil their grandchildren, to want to enjoy them. And there's nothing wrong with any of these things. It, it's all right to be concerned. And, and parents have this broad calling to care for all of the needs of their children. But let's remember, collectively... This was a word of God to the whole nation of Israel, to the church as a whole, and then to the grandparents and the, the parents especially, that our main task with regard to the covenant children is to teach them the words and the ways of God. So let's consider this text under the theme, parents, or the calling of parents to teach, the calling of parents to teach. And the three points are who, who is to teach, secondly, what, what are they to teach, and thirdly, how 
How are they to teach? Who is to teach the children? And the answer to that is very simple. Of course, it's the parents who are called to teach the children. That's clear in verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. So the parents in Israel, the parents in the church who are given the gift of sons and daughters by God, receive this charge from God, teach thy children. But it's, in very, it's very important that we look at verses 5 and 6 and recognize that the Lord is saying, now here's the qualification for teaching the children. It, it's like the Lord is saying, now wait a minute. Don't think here I've given you a child and right away this is what you're to do. Rush off and teach them. But it's as if the Lord says, wait a moment. Pause. And before you take heed to your children, take heed to yourselves. Now when we look at verses 5 and 6, we have to recognize this does include the children and all the rest of the congregation of God's people. But it comes right before the charge to the parents. So the parents need to pay special attention to this before we teach our children. Let's examine ourselves. And this is what God says to us. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. These are the kinds of parents to whom the calling comes. Teach. It's not a general command. Although, of course, all parents are accountable to God. And he will judge all parents for what they teach their children. God is addressing the nation of Israel. God is addressing the church of Jesus Christ. And God is saying, now, before you go off and teach your children, examine your own heart. And he focuses on love, and he focuses on the heart two times. This is not merely an outward matter for these parents. This is an internal matter of their own hearts and souls. And he's focusing on the totality then of life. Be the kind of parents who not only talk or teach, or the saying goes, you know, practice what you preach. And, and, and that's in a sense what God is saying. Don't be the kind of parents who preach or who teach and who don't practice, who don't do. But it's more than that. Don't simply make sure that you're doing what you say, but make sure that it's in your heart. And so this isn't to be part of your life. There's a certain segment of my life that's religious and devoted to the Lord, but this is to be all your life. There's a totality here. And this is not merely an outward thing. There's no room for any hypocrisy. This must be a matter of the heart. Total love and devotion for God. If you are to teach the words and the ways of God, you are to be personally convicted by them, personally embracing them, personally living a life devoted to God. And then you understand 
that this has to do with teaching, really. But not teaching with your mouth, but teaching with your example, teaching with the pattern, with the model that you set before your children in your own life. So that this does reflect or bear upon the command. Parents, teach your children. Teach them by your manner, your way of life. And do that first. You understand the importance of that, don't you? Your children are watching you. And you're teaching them by how you talk, by how you behave. And if they see, this is the warning, isn't it? The way dad, the way that mom lives and behaves does not match with what they are saying to us. Then what you say will be undone, destroyed. If you model dishonesty, you play fast and loose with the truth, and your children see that. What's that going to do when you come to them and tell them, no, you may not lie, you must speak the truth? That's going to undo that teaching. If they observe in your marriage that there's no love, that there's no kindness, that the goal in your lifestyle is to take advantage of your spouse or of other people. What's that going to do when you come to them and you tell them your calling is to love your neighbor as yourself? That's going to destroy the effectiveness of that teaching. If you do not love God with all your heart and live that way with all your mind, soul, and strength, when you come to your children and say, you love God, that's going to undo that teaching. But now the stress here is on the positive. This is what Moses is encouraging parents and grandparents and the members of the church to see. You can have a great effect and be a mighty power in the lives of the little ones in the church if you are living your life with God as your chief priority. And the whole of your life is lived to give this message. Who's important to mom and dad? What's important to mom and dad? Spiritual things. God and the things of his kingdom. The goal is to teach the children that... God is the most important reality of life so that one day, yes, the children will be able to say, you want to know how my mom and dad taught us? We can point you to religious teaching, to teaching about God. But before we even talk about that, you want to know how our parents lived? We can tell you my dad was a man of God and my mom was a woman of God. And maybe, not maybe, I'll say it is a good idea for the older members of the church and parents to ask the question, what if someone came on family visitation perhaps and asked our children, 
Not this, what do mom and dad teach in this home? But how do mom and dad live in this home? Can't help but think of church visitation coming up this afternoon with the council. And we're not going to ask the minister, are you living an exemplary life? But we're going to ask the elders and deacons, does the minister live a life that is a model for the rest of the congregation to see that he loves God? Not just what his teaching is, but his life. And then the same question is going to be asked of the minister and the deacons about the elders. Do the elders in the congregation live an exemplary life? Can you look at Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 and 6, and look at the elders and say, those are men who love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then that question will be asked of the minister and of the elders of the, about the deacons. But now, and this is humbling for me, as a father, thinking of someone coming to my children and saying, obviously your dad's a minister, he teaches that you are to love God. But how does he live? And now here's what Moses is saying to the first-time parents, the second-time parents, to the grandparents. Live in such a way that when someone asks your children, they'll say, you, you want to know what characterizes my dad or my mom? And there are many other things that you would like them to say, perhaps, that, that you're honest, that you're hardworking, industrious, and so on, kind. But ultimately, this is the goal that they're going to say, my dad is a man who lives this way, that God is more important to him than anything else. And this is what we see in the way that our mom speaks, the way she treats our dad, the way she treats other people, the way she treats us, the way she goes about her housework. It's, it's not all about cleanliness, but it's about devotion to God, love for God. And I said this to the first-time parents, the faith congregation. The children grow up quickly. And... Someday, they see everything. Someday they might be given this assignment in school. Write a paper about your home. And then, more quickly than we like to think, the end of our lives as parents come, and there are children who write memoirs, biographies about the lives of their parents. And wouldn't we all want this to be the first part of the book? The second part will be what mom and dad taught us. But the first part is this is the way mom and dad lived. They were devoted to God. And of course, this is God speaking to his covenant people in the Old Testament. They knew the promise of the coming of Jesus Christ. And so this is part of it for us too. Who are we? We are the people who have a love for Jesus Christ in our hearts. We are a people who are to believe in Jesus Christ, to believe that this is what our life is. We have been redeemed through his blood. He's come and fulfilled all the promises of God. We have the forgiveness of sins in him. And now this is not only for my children, but this is what I am to believe with all my heart. And then to say with the Apostle Paul, you want to know what my life is? I live for Christ. To live is Christ. 
And in the faith congregation, we've been going through a series of sermons on Colossians. And in chapter 3, verse 17, the Apostle Paul says this to New Testament believers. And now what I'm saying to you this morning is this is basically Paul taking Deuteronomy, chapter 6, and putting it in New Testament language and saying, this is your calling as a congregation, as children too, but also as parents. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And so, the first question is this. Do you love the Lord? And can you say, he's my God? with all your heart and have you taken these words all the words of scripture the words of the ten commandments too but the words of the gospel of jesus christ and are they in your heart then god says and thou shalt teach what's in your heart teach them diligently unto thy children the weight of this passage and the calling of parents to teach is massive. I'm not going to do that this morning, but I could show from all of Scripture this is the will of God for parents. This must be the focus, the priority, that I teach my children the ways and the words of God. And you know Deuteronomy 6 very well, so that I don't have to go through all of Scripture. You can look back at Psalm 145. We sang a versification of that. At the end of the service, we're going to sing a versification of Psalm 127. But here in Deuteronomy 6, God comes to parents and says, This is my concern for you. I have given you sons and daughters, and they're not yours. They're mine. I've made my covenant with you and with them. And as much as I want you to care for all of their other needs, this is what you are to do as mom and dad. Teach them. And this calling cannot be sloughed off to the grandparents, although... They're in view here as well. Or to the pastor. Dads and moms may not say this is going to be the duty of the church and of the catechism class. They must teach my children. And this certainly may not be passed off to the Christian school teachers. They must teach my children. All of those means are blessings and good. God comes to parents, teach thou, thy children. Now, what is to be taught? Of course, in every home, many things are taught by parents to their children, and there are some areas of liberty. I witnessed that last night. I made reference to hockey. I hope none of you will hold it against me that that's not taught by me to my children. There are other things that are more of an interest to me. Some fathers may be readers and may teach their children to be very academically inclined as students. Some 
fathers and mothers might be more people who work with their hands and teach their children to work with their hands. That's, again, not the kind of upbringing that I had with a father who was an eye doctor. I didn't learn how to work on motors and engines and things like that. And so every home is going to be a little different. Different things are taught, different traditions, different... Uh, there's a different character to the teaching of a father and a mother. But what Moses is doing here in Deuteronomy 6 is saying to all of the people of Israel, there's one thing that you all should have in common. And he's saying this to the church in the New Testament too. Let this be non-negotiable. This is an essential for every home in the covenant. You must teach your children the ways of God. Now, Part of what Moses is teaching is obedience to the commandments. That's clear. He just has gone through the Ten Commandments, Deuteronomy chapter 5. Teach your children they may not do this. Teach your children this is what they are called to do in obedience to God. But I think we should start with what we have there in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Here's a basic thing that God wanted the people of Israel to know in the context of the Old Testament. They had lived in the presence of the many gods, the polytheism of Egypt. And this is what characterized the people in the land of Canaan that they were about to go and possess. If you ask these people, who is your God? They would give you an answer that included many gods. And God taught the people of Israel, the Lord, your God is the one God who made heaven and earth. And he's the one God you are to obey, you are to believe in, and you are to worship in no other God. And this is the basic calling then of parents. And how practical and important for children. There's one God. Not us, your parents. Not you. You're not to serve yourself. And when you're with your friends, your peers, and they're putting pressure on you to do what they want, to serve them, they're not your God. There's one God. Jehovah, the God of Scripture, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God and Father of Jesus Christ. And then it's very important, too, in verse 2, that thou mightest fear the Lord. They are to be taught, our children, that we fear the Lord and that they are to fear God. And yes, that means that very serious things are going to have to be discussed with the children. We're going to have to talk to you about God in his holiness. And we're going to have to talk to you about sin and God's absolute hatred of sin. And we're going to have to talk to you about eternal realities too. You have to fear God as the God who punishes sin. And there is a promise of heaven, but there's also a warning of hell and of eternal destruction. And there are people who would say in the world, that's a frightening thing to teach children. Abusive, maybe even. To talk to children about God's holiness and sin and hell and eternity. And that's sobering. And there is the reality of God's holiness, of his righteousness, of sin, and of how God's eternal punishment for sin. But this is not abusive. This is 
the beginning of wisdom, not only for adults, but for children and knowledge and understanding. And we must not have a misconception about the fear of God. It's this terror of God, an angry God who hates sin. No, we teach the gospel so that they might fear God. And we say to our children, yes, you need to live your life each day knowing that God is the creator and that he is the one who is above all heaven and earth. You must know that he is infinite, that he is almighty, that he is to be reverenced, and you must bow before him. And you must be humble before him because of your sin. But this is a filial fear that is a fear of being in the family of God. You're looking at God as your father. And your earthly father is but a picture of this. But isn't this what we want for our children, even with regard to their earthly fathers? You don't treat your earthly father with disrespect. You don't look at him and view him as lightweight, as unimportant. We want you to view your earthly father with fear and reverence and, and to submit yourself to him. But now, this is what we want for you, ultimately, ultimately with regard to the Lord. And again, how practical and important. You're alone. Your parents aren't watching you. Your teacher's not watching you. Your elders are not watching you. Isn't this what you want for your child? What they do when they're all alone is still going to reflect that they fear God. And then with, they're with their peers as well. And they're, they're receiving this pressure maybe to do wrong, to violate the law of God, that there's this sense that Joseph had in Egypt. You remember that? No one else was there. Potiphar's wife was beautiful. From an earthly point of view, it may have looked like I can get away with committing adultery with this beautiful woman, but he said, I'm not going to do it because I fear God. And what a, what a wonderful thing for our children. Not abuse. In fact, the opposite is true. Not to teach children the reality of God. And they're calling to submit to him, to respect him, to obey him, to love him. That's awful. Your calling is a duty, but a privilege. Teach the children to love the Lord. We know, of course, that we cannot touch the heart as parents and as teachers in the school or in the church, but this is the work of God, and we believe that the commands of God come on the basis of the promises that he makes to us as the people of God. We know that he is the almighty God. We know that he is the God who said, I Give these children to you as parents to teach them, and I promise that I'm going to include them in my covenant. I promise that I'm not only going to wash them in the blood of Christ, but I'm going to give them the Holy Spirit. They will be renewed by my grace so that the words you speak don't depend upon you, but I will teach them to your children. 
And God is promising that what you know and what you have seen, your children will come to know and see through you. That was so important, wasn't it, in Moses' day? Moses is speaking to a generation of people who had seen the ten plagues, the wonders of God in Egypt. A generation of people who saw the drying of the Red Sea. A generation of people who witnessed God sending meat from the heavens and bread from the earth. A generation of people who witnessed God giving them victory over Og and Bashan, these giants who led nations of giants. And the point is that you people, you've seen this, and now you are able to say, this is our God whom we serve. He, he is the God who is able to turn the Nile River to blood. He is the God who is able to send a, a thick darkness, even during the daytime, so that no man can see. He's the God who is able to dry the Red Sea. Now, you children, you haven't seen this, but we want you to know this God. And how are you going to know this God when you haven't seen this? We're going to tell you. That's what Psalm 145 is about, each generation telling the next. Now, you haven't seen the wonders as New Testament believers that the Israelites did, but all of these wonders are recorded in the scriptures. And now here's the idea, that when you embrace and believe, and that means you study the scriptures and you know God, you know his works and ways in Jesus Christ, you have these things in your heart, and now the question is, your children, they've never read the Bible, they're, they're born without knowing and understanding these things, how are they going to know who your God is that you believe in? And God has put you in the position to teach them. Tell them what you know about your God in Jesus Christ through the scriptures. And know why you're doing this. They need God. They need Jesus Christ. You know this, don't you? You can have a child who thrives in all earthly things. He or she is healthy. He or she is very intelligent, very successful in whatever they put their mind to do. They can have all that earthly success and go to hell if they don't know God in Jesus Christ. We understand, don't we? This is the path of life. Psalm 16. The psalmist says, in Psalm 16, Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is the fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is the conviction that the believing parent in the church has. By telling you about God, telling you to fear him, to love him, to live in obedience to his commandments. I'm not abusing you. I'm showing you the way of life and, and of joy. The way of joy, children, 
is not sin. The way of joy is faith in God and loving obedience to him. Now thirdly then we consider how this is to be taught. Moses says teach them diligently unto thy children. That word diligently points to teaching that gets to the heart that is incisive, teaching that is internally focused. We have to remember as parents that our goal is not to make our children merely to look nice on the outside. We, we want them to come to church with us and be obedient and behave so that the rest of the people in the congregation will be impressed with what good little children we have and what impressive parents we must be in the way that we train them. Our goal is not this either, to make sure that those children reflect well on us and that they never embarrass us. But our goal is to shepherd their hearts. We want the truth to be within them. And again, we know that we cannot teach their hearts or touch their hearts. That's the work of God. But we teach them diligently over and over again. And we put much energy and effort into this because we know this is so difficult. We know that there are so many obstacles that our children face in the world round about them that wants to teach them many things. And that's something that we need to take into account if you're not teaching your children, your children will be taught. If you're not teaching them diligently, the world will teach them diligently the things of the world. Teach them diligently. Take opportunities to teach the children. Make opportunities to teach the children. Included in this, not, not now exhausting everything that Moses is commanding in the text, but included in this is family devotion. Mealtimes, perhaps. Taking time to pause in the middle of a busy day as a family and say, we're going to devote time to reading God's word, praying together, talking about spiritual things. But that's not all that Moses has in mind, obviously. When he says, in verse 6, or 7, "...teach them diligently unto thy children." And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. This is to be the whole of your life in your family without children, but with children as well. And then verses 8 and 9, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And maybe you know that the Jews would come to take that literally. I'm going to write certain things. Maybe Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. Hear all Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord on our hands. And we'll, we'll put that on our doorposts. We'll even make these phylacteries, little boxes that we hang off of our hats. And we will have written then everywhere different things reminding us to fear the Lord. Some of you may have things that you wear with Bible verses or writings on your walls or Bible references 
above your chimneys. And that's good. But we have to understand that Moses is not demanding this, that you literally go around and find ways to have Bible verses that you hang on your person or that you have hanging in your home. He, he's saying this is a metaphor. This is how you're to live the whole of your life so that you are living, breathing, eating Scripture and so that your children are not just hearing a Bible verse here and there that applies to this situation or that situation, but really in all that you do, in all the decisions you make, in all the way that you think, in all the way that you speak, you are teaching your children how to make God their priority, to say he's important in my life, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ is what my life is all about. At work, in the school, at home, when I'm with my friends, whatever I do, I fear the Lord and am thanking and praising him. And be ready, parents, for their questions. Verse 20, live this way and so speak and teach your children diligently that they're going to know, mom and dad want this. They want me to ask questions. And they're thinking. And thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, what meaneth the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord, notice this, our God hath commanded you. And then you shall teach your children. There's an encouragement here to parents. You haven't gone to seminary, maybe. Maybe think that you don't have the ability to teach. God is saying, when I give you children, I'm giving you what you need to be qualified. Now, keep working at it. Keep reading the word. Keep praying. Keep growing in your knowledge and understanding. But I will use you to teach your children. And notice that in verse 20 there, there's a positive perspective. This is a child in the covenant who doesn't doubt. A child in the covenant who is not denying the Lord, not challenging the parents. But a child who's saying, this is our God. And where did this child learn to say that? I believe in God and he's your God, mom and dad, but he's my God. I believe in Jesus. He's your Savior, but he's my Savior. Moses is giving this encouragement. This is going to be the fruit, the blessing God gives through your teaching. He will touch their hearts. He will give them faith. He will lead them to fear him and live in his ways. The final word this morning is to the children. To remember not only what is said here in Deuteronomy 6, that God has given you parents to teach you the ways of the covenant, but to remember the command that Moses gave in verse 16 of chapter 5, Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. If the children tend to resent their parents, tend to take them for granted, tend sometimes even to complain. Why do I have to have these parents who teach me commandments? 
tell me what not to do and do. They want to talk to me about God and about Jesus Christ. Well, the word of God to those children is, to you children is, this is your calling to obey your parents and to receive their teaching and to see it as a blessing. To have parents who teach you the fear and the love of God and his salvation in Jesus Christ. What a blessing. Amen. Father in heaven, we come before thee and we thank thee for thy word, which gives us good commandments, directs us how to live as the people of the covenant, members of the congregation of Jesus Christ, to live our lives in the fear of thee and in love for thy kingdom and thy people. We thank thee too for the reminder to View the children of the church in a spiritual way as thy children and to remember that our calling is to bring them up in the knowledge of thy truths and of Jesus Christ. We thank thee too, Father, for the reassurances that we have that though we are weak means that thou wilt use us for the spiritual and eternal good of the youth of the covenant. Pray, Father, that thou wilt continue to be faithful to us, though we don't deserve it. Carry on thy covenant in our generation.